This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of Mac's List. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps you find a fulfilling career. Every Wednesday, I talk to a different expert about the tools you need to get the work you want. Find Your Dream Job is brought to you by Top Resume. Top Resume has helped more than 400,000 professionals land more interviews and get hired faster. Get a free review of your resume today. Go to maxlist.org slash topresume. Many employers today use an applicant tracking system to receive and sort applications. And you may worry about what happens to your application after the system receives it. Matt Warzel is here to talk about why you shouldn't fear applicant tracking systems. He's a certified resume writer and the president of MJW Careers. Matt's company helps you find your next job faster and with a better salary. He joins us from Wilmington, North Carolina. Well, let's start with a definition, Matt. What is an applicant tracking system? Applicant tracking system is essentially software for the recruiters and hiring managers that will help them track a particular candidate in their system. And that, and that entails, you know, every single bit of communication from the submission process when the recruiter receives the resume and any addendums all the way through any sort of activity of placement, interviewing, et cetera. So it's just to make it easy, software so recruiters can monitor your, your application and your candidacy throughout the process. Because otherwise, you know, you're going to be doing a lot of handwriting and using a schedule and that kind of thing. And that's a little dated. So, um, and this is as these have been around. I know they're kind of becoming more known to the audience, to the candidates out there, just from, you know, maybe some casual reading or just hearing from other people. But I'm surprised that a lot of people are aware of what they are now. They might just, they just might not know what goes, you know, into these from behind the scenes. But I remember when I had applicant tracking systems starting out, they weren't as sophisticated. So there are a lot of different components to them nowadays versus back when I was using them. How common are applicant tracking systems? Is this something that only large companies use, Matt? Or are you seeing it even smaller employers adopt these systems too? It is well adopted. It's pretty universal. I mean, it, it is expensive. It's like any software, but it helps with the automation. So I think a lot of folks that even if they're what was called mom and pop shops, if they have the bandwidth in the budget, I think a lot of folks are investing in even HR platforms that might include an applicant tracking system within the package. So something that might manage is, you know, payroll and, and performance reports and things like that. So, but if someone's using the software, it's typically either by itself as a solo product or it's embedded within something like an HR product. Why do so many applicants fear applicant tracking systems? Is this a, a bad thing for candidates? You know, I think it's that kind of the robotic mystique that is, you know, the AI and everybody hears this complicated, these these buzzwords and these acronyms and they think, oh, this is above me. But in, re in reality, they are nothing more, again, than a tracker. Now, in some cases, they are acting as a gatekeeper. So you will have a recruiter that might have some parameters embedded into it. We call them rules. So when a, a candidate submits a, a resume, the recruiter might have some rules in place that say, you know, must have X amount of keywords. We call it keyword optimization in the resume writing world. And you're trying to get some of those searchable terms on your resume 
and in, and more often places than not, because the more relatable you are to the role, uh, you're going to have boosted visibility. You're going to show up sooner on some of these searches. But in all in all, we'll just say the most fundamental one is literally just tracking your your progress, whereas more sophisticated ones might include some of these preliminary kind of needs, if you will. And that just helps, let's say, maybe a Google go from, you know, 20,000 people a day or whatever. I, don't, I couldn't even imagine what their number might be. You know, then it helps trickle it down. So then those gold nuggets, if you will, kind of make it way through. Can a qualified applicant not make it through the system if they don't, say, use the right keywords or follow the rules that you just described a moment ago that recruiters might set up for screening resumes coming through an applicant tracking system? Absolutely. And therein lies some of the issues. They're saying, you know, it's not supportive of some of the the really solid finds uh, that might not make their way through just because of maybe they have a, a format that's not aligned with the proper kind of applicant tracking system format that we use, that I use for my clients and a lot of the industry experts will use. And that's not something that has to be daunting, your format. Just think linear. You want something that's very uh, aligned, something that has doesn't have much text boxes or graphics or columns or borders, data charts, things like that. While it looks good visually and the aesthetics are, have a kind of a flair to them, sometimes we, you won't get through with that kind of resume just because when the robots, we'll just call them a, the ATS, tries to parse your data from the resume into the, into the applicant tracking system, it, it can't copy and it can't scan that type of stuff. So think less is more. Worry about the content, your intention, your messaging, your value offerings over kind of the flair, if you will. And how can understanding how applicant tracking systems make you not only a better candidate, but a, have a more successful job search? Yeah, it gives you a fair shake, I think. I think it's why go through all the effort of, you know, maybe some informational interviewing with folks, maybe some networking, using some backdoor job hunting strategies. We, we kind of call them that. And it's usually a kind of guerrilla marketing idea of how to get your brand to, to, to be recognized, right? To give the hiring manager that moment where they're going to want to stop and, and take a look at you and, and, and vet you further. So when you keep it simple, you're only giving yourself more advantages to just at least get to the human eyeballs. If you start kind of going against the grain, again, doing stuff that's a little too cute or, you know, uh, uh, graphic or what have you, that's where you start bogging down the, the data or the, the reader, excuse me, and the data won't make it through. So give yourself a fair shake and keep it simple. Uh, there's plenty of good formats out there that will align with these rules. Well, let, let's talk about that, Matt, and let's talk about how you help your clients work with applicant tracking systems. You've mentioned formats and and design of resumes a number of times now. Walk us through what is a good layout and a good format for your resume that's going to help you get through the applicant tracking system and put your resume in front of the hiring manager. You definitely want to have, and I'll, and I know it might sound a little hard to visualize just not seeing a sample, but if you can have your contact info up front and you use dividers to kind of space out, you know, from city state to email, LinkedIn URL, phone number, what have you, you want just to use dividers, nothing, any, nor, no columns or anything like that. And then you want to have a nice summary that might have a few sentences, again, right below the contact information, no page breaks, no dividers, nothing like that. Just go down to the next line. And my formatting is set up where it's not, you can kind of see the breaks, right? So maybe you have the summaries and regular text, the skills might be in bolded, what have you. So you can get a little creative with the bolding and the italics. And then after the summary, I do have the skills section. That 
skill section, you definitely want to use the divider mentality as well. You want to, as well. You don't want to use a, you don't use a column there. I see that being like the one spot where you might have this fantastic resume as far as a layout, but you went with a column for the skills. Again, it, you just got to give yourself a fair shake. You're not going to not be vetted just because you didn't put your skills in a column, right? So just make sure you have the right skills, but use a divider. Then I'd like to go into an accomplishments section, which is just bullets. You can use bullets. Those are fine. Those are those will parse well. And then after the accomplishments, you, you do the experience, again, bullets, and finalize it with any education, certification, association, volunteerism. So again, very linear, and you're not doing anything odd between sections. All you're doing is maybe changing some font, or excuse me, some uh, bolding and italicis, italicis just to kind of show them the next section, if you will. What's the most common design mistake you see people make that trips up their resume and doesn't get it through the applicant tracking system? Infographics. I see so many folks that are clinging to infographics and I get it. Again, the visual aesthetics look good and it's it's fun. <laughs> it's kind of playful, if you will, unless you're a graphic designer or someone in the creative field. Again, stick to the professional format. So, um, but I can't tell you how many times I'll get people come to me going, I'm not getting interviews and they'll present me with an infographic as their resume. It, I don't know where, you know, I, I kind of know when it started roughly, but I don't know where or who came up with that idea, but I stay away from infographics if I can avoid them. I usually tell my graphic designers, get a professional resume to use for applications and then send your infographic as an addendum. And I just want to be clear here. The issue is that, the software doesn't read these design elements or the design elements make it difficult for the software to pick up on the keywords that you might have in the, in the text. And therefore you're just being rejected. Is that a good summary? That is, and it's either you're being rejected or you may slip through, but what do you do when you try to copy and paste from a resume that's infographic to let's say a word format that's you know very plain. When you go to copy and paste it, you'll see some jumbled items. You might have your phone number at the bottom all of a sudden, and you know, skills are below the experience section and things are just out of place. So the visual content, not even parsed correctly, it will be all jumbled up. So if you're lucky enough to get through, then you have a recruiter on the other end that is a little kind of, you know, annoyed, if you will, that they have to go and start putting all your information back into place into pieces like a Lego. So you want to give them the, the easiest way to collect your information. <laughs> and, don't, and that is by keeping it linear. Well, this is terrific, Matt. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Matt Warzel will continue to share his advice on why you shouldn't fear applicant tracking systems. Stay with us. Will your resume pass muster with an applicant tracking system? Talk to the experts at Top Resume. Go to maxlist.org slash topresume. A professional writer at Top Resume will check out your resume for free. Go to maxlist.org slash topresume. You'll find out how you can make your resume ready for an applicant tracking system, or you can hire Top Resume to do it for you. Go to maxlist.org slash topresume. Now, let's get back to the show. We're back in the MaxList studio. I'm talking with Matt Warzel. He's a certified resume writer and the president of MJW Careers. Matt's company helps you find your next job faster and with a better salary. 
and he joins us from Wilmington, North Carolina. Now, Matt, before the break, we were talking about why you shouldn't fear applicant tracking systems and talk us through why they exist and some of the common challenges that applicants face, particularly with designed resumes. And you stress that you should keep in mind a, a simple format. I know another step that you recommend your clients follow is to include the right content in your application materials, especially your skills and experience. Tell us more about this, Matt. What do you have in mind here? That's great. You know, and that's something that I really pride myself with my clients in, in understanding for them. So they're not having to worry about how to how to figure out what stays on, what comes off, right? So you're looking at your resume and how I set mine up in terms of the mentality behind these sections. So the summary, my idea behind a good summary is you want to show your key value offerings right away. You want them to understand what's your unique selling proposition. Why is Mac better at doing his job than the next person who might have a similar title, similar kind of career progression? And so what's your uniqueness as it relates to whatever you're targeting? So you want to almost reverse engineer off of the job openings you're targeting. You want to look and see what are the skills that are comparable between all these types of openings? What are the tasks, if you will, that you're going to be doing, because a lot of those job descriptions are just a bunch of tasks laid out, and then start to filter them backward into the resume in a way that sounds unique and customized. And this is kind of where people pay me to do this, right? Because it's there's a science behind this. But for takeaways for the audience, think about A, set the tone in the summary. What, Why, why do you offer value? Why should they stop and give you a two-minute read instead of just the six seconds initially? Then with the skills section, again, operational skills, like the hard skills, you can do method, uh, technical aptitude or even some methodologies at this part. So if I'm a supply chain manager and I see a resume that has lean, Six Sigma, Kaizen, this type of words, I'm excited because these are methodologies that live and breathe in my space. And this is someone who's bringing that to the table. So it's that kind of resonation factor with, the, with having the right skills. Not only are you optimizing your resume, but you're setting that story up so they can go from a summary to the skills and think, okay, this person lives and breathes in my space, and they're a little unique. I like how they've set the tone with the summary. And then the meat and potatoes. This is the important stuff now. So the accomplishments and the experience section. This kind of makes or breaks you because a lot of folks that are recruiters have a bad habit of jumping to the experience section and kind of seeing what you've done as far as your succession. And we'll understand right away if they want to vet you just because, you know, if there's a lot of red flags there, job hopping, gaps, which now is becoming a more of a, of not so much of a swear word like it used to be um, because of the certain circumstances we've dealt with, but things like that, red flags. So to position your accomplishments and experience section, think like this, three-pronged approach. A, does it relate? Again, that resonation. Take those five or six tasks and then engineer them into your experience section. If you've done them, don't fib. But then don't just copy and paste the task. What was your spin? If you have to handle uh, managing a team and a budget, talk about your team volume. Talk about a really neat scenario, how you came in under budget with a project or whatever. Put your spin on that particular task. So it's very cause and effect, but also yours. It's not just a general term. Two, operational bottom line impact. Get those KPIs in there, volume, sales, cutting costs, streamlining efficiency, reducing waste, things like that, that show that you're thinking about the bottom line. That goes a long way with tire managers. And then finally, what's unique? Did you win an award, give a speech, You know, be featured in a newsletter or newspaper, things that kind of well-round you uh, as a candidate. And if you lean on those three ideas throughout the whole entire experience and, and accomplishment section, it's going to make for a better read than just a task dump. In your experience, that's a very thoughtful strategy and requires some effort and, and, and care. 
In your experience, Matt, do most job seekers do that? Do they, or are they simply cutting and pasting their resume and dropping it into the application tracking system forms? It depends on how they're setting up that resume, but I see a lot of folks that they'll either copy and paste their old job description as the actual, you know, content for that particular role, or I'll see that they'll just list out, you know, very mundane tasks. I, you know, managed the distribution. I was in charge of supply chain. I was, you know, and I always tell my clients to think of this after each statement, say, so what? So you manage the supply chain. So what? What's that do for everybody? Because you manage the supply chain, did you get on-time deliverables? Did you work implementing continuous improvements to make sure the workflow and the throughput's meeting the KPIs or your mandatory numbers, whatever? So think in terms of so what? So every sentence will then have a reason to be on there. It's like a screenplay. You got to have every word matter. You don't see people write movies and just kind of you know, taking a leisure route about it. It's like, no, you got to get an hour and a half across and have an audience engaged. Every word should count. Same thing with your resume. Are applicant tracking systems sophisticated enough to distinguish between just a cut and paste job where someone has recycled an old job description or their resume and someone who does what you just described, which is look at the job posting, think about specific uh, skills and qualifications that are most relevant and, and think about those key performance indicators and answering that so what question. Can applicant tracking systems really tell the difference between those two uh, applications? There's no general rule with ATS. They are set up, each of them have their own little platform, right? There's there's Taleo and, and there's just hundreds of applicant tracking systems. Then you get into the point where there's thousands of rules. Each of these HR teams put in their own set of rules. So there's no real answer to say, hey, you're going to get you're going to get farther if you do this. The thing is with with my approach is once it hits the human eyeballs, you're going to resonate better. Now, the upfront robots, if you're doing what I say, keeping it linear, having the right keywords, your visibility should be boosted high enough where you'll make it through that phase. And that's what I'm setting you up for success once you get to the human eyeballs. And that's the hiring managers, the sourcers, and the recruiters. As far as ATS, though, there's no given answer because there's so many rules and so many companies with different types. So that's why the rule of thumb is play the game into your advantage, set yours up so you're given a fair shake and not having to worry about those outliers like that. Because there's some that might kick you out because you didn't have one word that they literally needed on every resume to get through. And maybe it's a piece of software you never acquired or what have you. Maybe you don't have the degree. You know, I know there's some that are set up that if you don't have a bachelor's, they kick you out, that kind of thing. So that stuff, you can't work your way around. You know, if there's a, if they mandate, if they mandate something and you don't have it, it, you know, it is what it is. So just keep moving on on your, on your career journey. Find the next role. You've mentioned keywords a number of times, both in this segment and, and in the first part of our conversation. What's your best advice, Matt, for identifying the keywords that are going to matter to an applicant tracking system and incorporating them into your application materials? So the job description is gold. That is number one. That is coming right from the hiring managers to the recruiters, to the audience, if you will, the, the candidates. So use the job description. Try to highlight, again, the skills you have on all these descriptions that you're reading, all these job openings. Highlight the ones you have and make sure you weave them into the resume. On the second side of that, you can always use LinkedIn to your advantage with keywords because if you go on there and find some colleagues, hire managers, people you aspire to be, what have you, go and look at what skills do they have under their endorsements at the bottom? What what are they saying on their LinkedIn as to be something that would be beneficial to have, right? Visible. And so go and look on LinkedIn under the endorsements of people that you either aspire to be 
or are already aligned with and start to manage how you're going to get some of those skills into your LinkedIn profile and resume as well. And if there's some skills that you don't have, but you are starting to recognize as something that might be a need, uh, given that you've done the research and seeing people that are successful in your space, in your role, then go upskill, go learn those. That's also a great way to find those gaps that you could start plugging in while you have the time during your job hunter on the weekends, what have you. Uh, upskilling is always a must and, it, and it's only getting more important. They're, they're recognizing it from a corporate standpoint of how they should be upskilling their employees within to kind of keep that war on talent rolling. So always be improving, right? Terrific. Well, it's been a great conversation, Matt. Now tell us what's next for you. Yeah, so uh, I have a daily blog uh, that I write as well as a weekly newsletter. So if you go to jobstickers.com, that's embedded into my actual website. And that is where you'll see my daily blog as well as if you want to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm all about trying to maintain that consistency, posting once a day and being insightful and uncovering kind of the lid of how hire managers, recruiters think just so I don't have to, you know, I don't hide behind paywalls and stuff. I'm always kind of just giving up the goods, so to speak. Terrific. I know in addition to jobstickers.com, where people could learn, not only see that advice, but learn more about your services, you also invite uh, listeners to connect with you on LinkedIn. And if they do, I hope they'll mention they heard you on Find Your Dream Job. Now, Matt, given all the great advice you've shared today, what's the one thing you want a listener to remember about why you shouldn't fear applicant tracking systems? Coming from a perspective of when I was a recruiter, I was a recruiter for almost 10 years prior to doing career coaching the last 12. And I always want people to know this. Hiring teams, recruiters, they are humans. They are trying their best. And the wonkiness that is the pandemic and how we're hiring right now, and, and there's a lot of variables that they're still trying to grasp, just be gentle with them. They're trying. If they find a role that they like you for, you'll get notified. But if not, keep plugging away. Don't badmouth folks because you hear about ghosting and all this kind of thing. It's just because it's the nature of the beast. There's a lot more of us than there are of them on that end. And so they're doing their best. And I just want everybody to take that away of saying, hey, recruiters and, uh, and, and hiring teams, they're, they're humans too. <laughs> never miss an episode of Find Your Dream Job, subscribe to our free podcast newsletter. You'll get information about our guests and transcripts of every show. Go to maxlist.org slash newsletters. Again, that's maxlist.org slash newsletters. Next week, our guest will be Thaddeus B. Dunn. He's the founder of Right Fit Recruiting. His company serves healthcare organizations, nonprofits, financial institutions, and government agencies. You've been asked to interview for a job you really want. Congratulations. What should you do next? Join us next Wednesday when Thaddeus B. Dunn and I talk about how to prepare for a job interview. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. This show is produced by Max List. Susan Thornton-Hoff schedules our guests and writes our newsletter. Lisa Kislinberry Anderson manages our social media. Our sound engineer is Jenny Ren Stotrup. Ryan Morrison at Podfly Productions edits the show. Dawn Mole creates our transcripts, and our music is by Freddie Trujillo. This is Mac Pritchard. See you next week. <laughs>